been told. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Wow, this is such a special season for us here at Granada, such a beautiful time to be together and, and uh, to rejoice in Christ. And uh, I don't know about for you, but, but uh, the beauty of the music and hearing the promises of God. Uh, we've been in a study on joy. And one of the reasons is because in the ancient world, they sort of saw four major emotions that we experience as human beings. One of those was not joy. It was actually pleasure. And so it's not until we begin reading the New Testament, there's this burst of, where does this come from? They don't even talk about this. What is joy? And tonight it's uh, the joy of surprise. I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, like you, sometimes things just pop up, you know, on the screen. You're like, what is that? And it was a compilation of, um, of all of the folks, a bunch of folks, like 50 folks who had returned from deployment. And the cool thing about it was in every one of them, they highlighted stories where they were surprising the person they were returning to. And so as you'll see here in the first one, it's of a, of a woman who comes to see her daughter is actually the teacher of a class. She doesn't know her mom is going to show up. And the next one is really cool is this, this kid is playing football. His dad dresses in the referee's uniform and it's like calls him out. He's like, this dad here, right? The third one is a, of a dad who just shows up and comes into the middle of a class and the, the daughter is so excited. And the last one here I'll show you is my favorite it's the husband who shows up. He's just come from deployment, and his wife is delivering their first baby. It's like, what? You've got to be kidding. She is so thrilled he is there and doesn't miss this time. You know, as, I, as you think about these situations of joy, that's how the, the text of Scripture tells us people were caught up in the coming of Jesus. And I know even as we read this, it feels like God is far away and, and maybe he's disconnected from my life. I'm not even sure he's engaged with my life. And here's a moment in which God draws near. The God of the universe who made us puts on skin. I mean, he's one of us so that we can know God. And that's what we celebrate and anticipate tonight. Would you, would you pray together with me? Father, as we hear the music, Lord, the choir and Rachel and the musicians, such beauty for us. We're really enchanted by the beauty of music that reminds us there's more than we can see and hear and touch and smell, that you're at work in our world. And it's often beyond words, Lord. We're not even sure how to explain it. We just know that of your presence. And so tonight, Lord, remind us why Jesus came and show us, Father, how you show up in our lives. Not just then, as the shepherds uh, went to see Jesus, but here, where we live. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The prophet Jeremiah put it like this. He said, the Lord appeared to us in the past and saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Here's God saying, hey, I've been showing up all along. If you only could see it, I've been showing up in your life to show you that I love you, that I am the God who is for you. And I read that and I think, do we know that? Is that something we really see? Likely you have not been aware, but again and again, God shows up in our lives to reveal his love for us. 
looking at moments like this when we experience and with the birth of Jesus, um, as I mentioned, I planned this study for the church. I sort of did it for maybe partially for me to uh, enter in again because as you hear the ancient text, as Susan said when she was reading, it's almost like, well, I've heard that before. I, I've been there and done that. I have the T-shirt now. And I was actually trying to add up. I had a friend of mine who's a pastor in Baltimore, and he, we called on the phone, and he said, how many Christmas services do you think you have left in you? Because this is probably my 50th Christmas service, almost here, that number at Granada. And you begin to ask, well, hold on a minute. This isn't shocking me anymore. This isn't hitting me like it used to hit me. I would love to be able to hear it again for the first time. And it reminded me of a time when I was a student. I had the privilege of attending this school, the, the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, and the, the winter break came, and they closed down all the dormitories, and they took the students that didn't have any place to go, and I was one of them, and they put us in another dormitory, and here I was with a, with a roommate I had never met. He was from Taiwan, and when he found out that I was a follower of Jesus, he said, my master told me when I left that I needed to learn about Jesus. He called him the Western Buddha. And so on Christmas Eve of um, 2000, I'm sorry, eight, 1981, we walked across Edinburgh. I remember it was cold and the snow was under my feet. And he told me, he asked me to tell him about Jesus. So I told him about the birth of Jesus and how it had happened. And then he wanted to know more. So he asked me about Jesus. And I, I started telling him about the things Jesus did, how he loved people. He, he ate with people nobody wanted to hang out with. And he visited in the homes of people who were rejected. And he touched people who were hurting and hurt. And other people stayed away from. And, and how he loved everybody he came in contact with. And then he, he asked more. And I told him about how Jesus was arrested. And when he was arrested, he was mistreated. And as I'm telling him about the mistreatment and the cross that Jesus went to, we're just walking. It's about a half-hour walk. I begin to hear this soft cry next to me. He never heard the story of Jesus. And when he heard that such a, a loving man, this person, born of God, was treated in this way, he began to break down. And I thought to myself, Have I, am I hearing this? Do I, I get what this is all about? Do, do we really know what's going on when we're reading about this? Do we, do we see what God has done in coming to us in human flesh? And as I think about that, I, I wonder today, do do we get it? Have, have we forgotten what Jesus did? How could I be missing this? And so Christmas is one of these times when God says, I want you to remember. I want you to remember I, I've loved you in the past. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Now, today I don't want to share with you about the surprise of God's grace. Because in these stories of the joy that we've been looking at this month, this last one is of the shepherds. This morning we looked at the Magi. These were astrologer magicians from Persia that traveled 800 miles to come and see Jesus directed by a star. And so their pilgrimage was a long one taking over probably a year and a half, a very long journey they made. And by the way, maybe some of us have come to the knowledge of Christ in that way too. It's taken many years of searching and trying to understand to make sense of our world. But there's a second group that we see tonight, and they're the shepherds that God surprises. This is what we're told. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, these people were not seeking truth at all. They weren't following anything. And yet, and you could say, in a way, they're, they're like ambushed by God. They're interrupted by God. Imagine this. They're minding their own business, trying to do their work. And by the way, for shepherds, they would only stay with their flocks through the night if they're lambing. That means they're having their young. So we know that that's happening. And they're probably talking among themselves, trying to do their work before a storm comes in. And they're thankful that a predator hasn't been after the flock. Hey, um, how's the wife and kids? Good, good. Uh, you know, we're going to have to move the flock over to this this other pasture tomorrow because they pretty they eaten this one pretty far down. They were not expecting anything, and all of a sudden, the light, the sky lit up. What is this? And they trembled in fear. An angel appeared to them and said, hey, everything is okay. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. And the angel delivered this message. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. And before they can even take that in, we're told immediately there's a whole host of angels. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Wow, they, they did not ask for any of this. And by the way, they have work doing, helping, right? Those youths have their babies. And you say, what is this all about? What is going on? Have you ever noticed how God often shows up in your life through interruption? I mean, the whole story of the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, is, is God's interruption. For example, the story starts with Zechariah. He's just in the temple one day doing his priestly duty, and an angel appears to him and tells him that he and his wife, they'd given up having kids, were going to have a baby. And everything in his life changes from there. When you think of Joseph, he just has a dream one night. He's getting ready to marry Mary, and an angel in the dream says, well, you know what? She's already pregnant, but you need to still take her as your wife. Don't cast her off. And then Mary, for goodness sake, she must have her life planned. She knows where her life is going. She's preparing to get married and thinking about her future. And an angel visits her and tells her she's going to give birth to a special baby through the work of the Holy Spirit. Talk about interruption. She, again, had to have her life all planned and figured out. And then, bam, her story changes just like that. Now, we know how this works, don't we? Every day we go about ordering our world, making our plans, and we're ready to follow them through. And by the way, I don't know about you, I love control. I like to be in control of my life. I, I want things to be predictable. And by the way, you may be a disciplined person. You're thoughtful. You have structure. You keep a careful calendar. You have things figured out. You you hate interruptions. They're, they're not part of your plan. We, we don't want anything to disturb us. But look at how God shows up. The Lord visits Moses. He's in the middle of the wilderness tending sheep in a burning bush and tells him to go back to the place he's avoided being at all costs. He ran away from. Think of these stories, right? This is the way 
that it works. And take Abraham. God came to him one day and interrupted his life and said, I want you to leave, leave everybody you know. Leave your country and your family. And I'm not going to even tell you where you're going. Just come. It's time for you to leave. This is a complete change of his life plans. Haven't you experienced this? You didn't see it coming. And, and wow, there was an interruption in your life. I was reading the story of this guy. His name is Pete Grieg. Pete is a pastor and he leads a worldwide a prayer movement. He's, he is like a prayer warrior. He's an amazing guy. And he was speaking out in California. And on his way back to London, he had a connection in Chicago. Lands in Chicago, ready to get his connecting flight. And guess what? This was one of those days when a volcano had erupted in Iceland. And so quickly he discovers not only his flight delayed, it's going to be canceled. He probably won't get it, be able to get onto another flight for a day or two. And he's complaining to God. How could this be happening? I have plans. And as he was praying, complaining to God, it was like God reminded him he had a friend in Madison, Wisconsin, about an hour and a half drive out of Chicago. Now, mind you, he also has friends in Chicago, but he didn't think of them. And for some reason, he felt, I've got to reach out to this friend. So he sent this email to his friend right there from the airport lounge. Hey, I'm in Chicago. Can I come crash on your couch? Now, he didn't know that this friend had actually just experienced the greatest trauma in his life at that time. And just that morning, that man had said to his wife this, if I could have anyone with me right now to walk through this, it would be Pete. But he's in England. But Pete wasn't in England. He was stuck in Chicago. And by the way, Pete had never even been to his house before, but he was going to go at just the time he was needed. Do you see the blessed interruption? When I think of this, I think, well, how has God interrupted your life? What plans have you had to lay aside? You wouldn't have chosen to do that. And by the way, not all of them feel like blessed interruptions. Maybe it was an illness you didn't expect or a surgery you didn't know that you would have to have. Or it's a relationship that became broken and you've spent a lot of time now having to mend it. Or maybe it was getting sidelined at work. Maybe it was losing somebody you love a lot. Now, perhaps you're thinking at this point, like I am, I don't want to be interrupted. Even this in Miami, you will see it, even this gets me going. I mean, that's 95. You ever over there and you're just like, why are all those cars in my way? This, this is not a good thing here. Even a phone call at the wrong time is unwanted and feels like an intrusion. And then there are bigger things, right, that not only shift our day, they can shift our whole lives. Why does God come to us in this way? Well, in thinking about it, I can only think of three big reasons that I've seen in my life. First, I think many of us, and by the way, this is for the shepherds too, it is the only way God can get our attention. It is the only way God can show us and remind us that he's, he's actually present in our lives. Because we have our own plans. We're set on our direction. And, and what is going to change that, right? Again, think of those interruptions in Scripture. Moses would have just kept tending the sheep, and he wouldn't have been a part of God's plan to liberate a whole people, right? Or you think of the disciples of Jesus. They would have just kept fishing at the Sea of Galilee if Jesus hadn't interrupted their lives and called him. 
And I began looking at my own life. You know, I would not have married Sandy, my wife, except for a huge interruption that took place in my life. And we wouldn't have been moved to up to the northeast in New Jersey where we had the privilege of planting this little church if God had not intervened in our lives. And it makes me ask, well, where is God trying to get your attention right now? Most likely it will be in a place where your plans have been forced to change. Your life is interrupted. But I think for me there's also a second reason. And that is it's not until I'm pulled off my plans that I have to trust in God. It is not until my plans fall apart that I find myself calling out for help. When my life is all about my plans and my purposes and my schedule, see if this isn't true for you, do I have to depend on God? This is the way we, we like to arrange our lives, right? We want to we arrange it in a way that I can always be in control. But this keeps us from growing in God. I like the way this author, Tyler Stanton, explains it. He says, to love someone, they have to express some kind of need. And I don't express much need. I'm in charge. I have a well-ordered life. I have a plan, an agenda. Even the people closest to me, I have not given much opportunity to love me. I haven't given Jesus much opportunity to love me. Then my life is interrupted. <laughs> I discover my vulnerability. I discover my need. I need help. You see, in places like this, our hearts are exposed, and, and then we can, we can receive love. People can love us. God can love us. And our trust in God and our dependence on him, it, it has to grow then. But I found a third area. It's not just to get my attention or, and to, make, to help me trust God, help me see God's presence in my life. I also find this. I think there's something deeper going on often in God's interruptions for us. And here's why. I can only grow so much through my intentionality. And that is like this. Thomas Merton, the priest, said, you can see that there are two levels of your spiritual life. First, he says, there's a level that's apparent. You can see it. You can deal with it. You can work on it. You can address it and so on. Then, and you can do that through intentional discipleship or in other ways. But he says, then there are secret areas of my life. They're below my seeing, below my ability to address so how are these deeper ones, the ones I'm not aware of, how are they going to be addressed? God must do it. And he often must interrupt my life to take me to those places that, again, I haven't planned to go. I'll give you an example. When Sandy and I first came back to Miami, we'd been away 16 years. And um, we were around town. And I went into a shop. And when I went into a shop, I saw a man behind the counter who happened I discovered was the proprietor that I had not seen in all of those years. And immediately when I saw him, it triggered anger and unforgiveness in me. You see, this person had hurt someone very, very close to me. He had damaged a whole family, and it had impacted an entire congregation, sort of like us. But it wasn't until seeing him, when I saw him, that I realized I had never forgiven this man. I, I had never processed the hurt. And through that surprise, God revealed in me something that needed to be addressed in my heart. Healing that could now begin because of this interruption. 
And so think about it like that. Is this interruption a way that God is putting his finger on something that maybe you wouldn't have seen yourself? Something that needs to be addressed or processed. Pressing you to confront something that maybe you have denied. Okay, so here we are with interruptions. What are we going to do with them? Often we believe there cannot be anything good in them. But how do I respond? If this is how God works in our lives, showing up, what are we to do? Well, here's what the shepherds did. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You see, they accept God's invitation and interruption. And in the end, guess what they do? They, they find Jesus. It's a moment of grace. They would have never done this if they had denied this opportunity. And often this is what happens to us. When we're willing to listen to God, when we're willing to accept that this is how God works in our lives, we end up seeing Jesus right there in the midst. You know that's what happened to Mary, right? God approached her, the angel came, and told her what the plan of God was, but he didn't force that upon Mary. She had to accept this interruption in her life, and this is what she said. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. In other words, I'm in, God. And as I read that, I think, well, you know, what is our response? I know we resist so much interruptions, but this is where God is working in our lives to show us that he's with us, to reveal his love, to extend his grace so that we can see Jesus who is present with us. What are you doing with those interruptions that are happening to you right now? I love this story by this guy. His name is Parker Palmer. It's in a book he wrote called The Active Life. It tells him an experience he had when he was on an outward bound adventure. If you've never heard of Outward Bound, it's sort of like an adventuring time when you can grow and challenge yourself in the midst of it. And this one was to a high mountain where they would learn all kinds of climbing tactics. One of those you can see here is rappelling, going down a mountain. So they took him way to a high top of a mountain. And um, by the way, then you just come down on a rope. They hooked his body into a harness, and then they said, hey, lean way out over this cliff, and here are the words of Parker. He says, I remember the cliff too well. I started to a five-foot drop to a small ledge, then a 10-foot drop to another ledge, and then a third final drop all the way down. I tried to negotiate the first drop. My feet fell instantly, they went out from under me, and I fell heavily to the first ledge. I don't think you have quite have it yet. The instructor observed astutely. You're leaning too, cl too close to the rock face. You need to learn, lean much further back so your feet will grip the wall. Now that advice went against my instinct. Surely one should hug the wall, not lean over the void. On the second drop, I leaned back, better but not far enough, and I hit the second ledge with a thud just like the first. You still don't have it, said the instructor. Try again. Step by step, I made my way about down until about halfway down. I suddenly realized I was heading toward a very large hole in the rock, and I froze. 
and the instructor waited a small eternity for me to thaw out. She yelled up, is anything wrong, Parker? As if she needed to ask. To this day, I do not know the source of the childlike voice that came from within me. I don't want to talk about it. The instructor yelled back, then it's time you learn the outward bound motto. Then she spoke words I have never forgotten, words so true they empowered me to negotiate the rest of the cliff without incident. She said, if you can't get out of it, get into it. You know, this scene hits home, right? Because we all want to be in control and that thing comes into your life. You didn't count on it. You weren't planning for it. You don't want to lead out into the void. You feel vulnerable there. Your life has been interrupted and you do have a choice. Will you trust that God is working through it? And it may even be scary. Likely it is. And often, like Parker said, it's counterintuitive. But if you look, you'll find that that is where God is working with you. You say, well, how do we know this? Well, you see, Jesus born in Bethlehem is the one who went to the cross to secure the kind of relationship we can have with God that we know is favor. That's what the angels announced, right? It's about God's favor, his grace toward us. He, he loves us. That's where we began. And his cross reveals God's intention to redeem us and to give us life. And this means we can trust God. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what interruption you're dealing with. But you can trust that God loves you. And here's what happened when the shepherds responded to the interruption. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. When they went away, they were, they were filled with joy. Here's that moment that we were looking for. And it's because when they went there, even though it was the interruption of their plans, they knew God was present. And by the way, they said, this is just what we were told. And all of that glorious angel announcement, it wasn't an overselling. They saw Jesus and they said, that's just what we were told it would be. God, when you trust and look to God as the interruptions come, God will show up as he promised to reveal himself to you, to show you his grace. Is God interrupting your life right now? Maybe God's interruption is for you to see him, to see his presence. If so, realize he has entered in to reveal himself to you, to get your attention, to reveal his presence and also confirm his love. Would you pray together with me? Father, we're such, we can be such a complaining people, the littlest obstruction, for me like traffic, or maybe an onerous phone call, seems so huge. Instead of realizing your work and all of the things in my life, every phone call, every traffic jam, there are ways that you show up. And so, Father, I pray that because Jesus has come, you'll change the way we see our lives. We'll understand that you're working. Even working at those times when we would complain or be scared. Those times when we're not sure how we got where we are, or where we're going. That we'd be reminded that you love us. You're the God who is for us. And so tonight as we celebrate the coming of Jesus, as we remember all that you've done for us, Father. Remind us that you are Lord that you care for us and cause us to praise you even as those shepherds did so long ago. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.